The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. A major magazine had a huge banner across its front cover. Men and women are different. Now, this particular magazine, I remember thinking only they could think this is a revelation. Men and women are different. I was reading a study that said women have better verbal skills than men. They're more articulate. (laughs) I thought, (laughs) duh. Nice to have you with me. Dr. Ray Grady, program, doctor is in. Variant of the program, Look Back Friday. What does that mean? It really should be Listen Back Friday. But because of the two syllables, it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as easily. Look Back Friday is where we take previous calls, edited at the capable hands, the adept, the full of alacrity hands of Andrew Kruchek, my producer man, board operator. Uh, He's been bored for quite some time, but he'll get used to the program eventually especially after these two decades. Yeah, he started when he was 11. He edits the calls, gets rid of the uh, initial badinage that I have with the caller, playful persiflage, and then we repeat most of the call. Not all of it. Sometimes it goes on too long. I drag it out. And I have things I want to say more about it whether I want to explain something in the call, whether I want to take a different direction with uh, a comment that the person made, but I didn't want to interrupt them because I wanted to get to why they called. So there's many reasons why we choose calls for Look Back Friday. Those are up there. So we got we got them waiting in the wings. I made the point, and so did this major magazine, that men and women are different, and we are. You have to ignore mountains of neurological research that the brain of a man, the brain of a woman is different. And many parents will tell me that they had bought into the idea that all differences between males and females was purely social structure and roles. That in fact the way little boys are raised and the way little girls are raised in family structure or in the society at large that accounts for these differences. That's it. And then, ultimately, the parents, if they have a boy or a girl or a boy and a girl, will 
say, I, I, I didn't socialize him into this. I mean, he, he jumps on the couch and he bounces down and he's a whirlwind while she's sitting there trying to read. And then they are forced. So I've got something here in my hands, I think, that reveals rather clearly the differences between even when they're little, how they look at some of the important matters of life. Alan, age 10, was asked, how do you decide whom to marry? He says, well, you got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like, if you like sports, she should like it, that you like sports. And she should keep the chips and dip coming. Now, that's Alan. Pretty simple, straightforward, kind of. But Kirsten little girl, age 10, asked the same question. No person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all the way before, and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. <clears throat> Camille, age 10, was asked, what is the right age to get married? She says, 23 is the best age to get married because you know the person forever by then. Well, Freddie, age six, was asked the same question. He said, no age is good to get married at. You got to be dumb to get married. That's Freddie, age six. Well, hopefully he'll, he'll grow out of that. <laughs> what do most people do on a date? Lynette, girl, age eight. Dates are for having fun, and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. See, she's got her perception already set in cement. Now, Martin, on the other hand, age 10, he says, on the first date, you just tell each other lies. And that usually gets yourself interested enough to go for a second date. Jeez. Talk about jaded before even hitting adolescence. Uh, let's see. Craig, age nine, was asked, um, what would you do on a first date that was turning sour? He said, I'd run home and play dead. <laughs> Pam was asked, when is it okay to kiss someone? And she very simply replied, when they're rich. Now, Kurt, age seven, was asked the same question. The law says you got to be 18, so I wouldn't want to mess with that. Is it better to be single or married? Theodore says, <laughs> I better not I better not read what Theodore says here. Okay, he says, I don't know which is better, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm never going to kiss my wife. I don't want to be all grossed out. <laughs> Anita, I think Anita speaks for many of her sexual, uh, I was going to say gender, but gender, gender and sex are two different things, for her, for her sex. It's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. Now, I don't want, I don't want you to think that boys are, are not sensitive 
Ricky, age 10, was asked, how would you make a marriage work? And he, he kind of summarizes it. Tell your wife that she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. Some trucks are nice, aren't they? You know, the Ford 150s in the top 10. The other nine are foreign models. But uh, So there you have it. Right off the bat, you see these perceptions of life differ <laughs> by boy versus girl. When we come back, we will immediately explore one of the past look-back questions. And we will find out what, if anything, meaningful I could add to any of them. This is Dr. Ray. And I guess that's true, but doggone. We'll return after these messages. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. We can't understand what's going on in America if we don't recognize that America has come under the sway of a false god. America is now controlled by a twisted understanding of freedom. It's my right, and I'll do what I want. We were definitely made to exercise freedom, but it's freedom under God. It's freedom to do as we ought, not freedom to do as we wish. We were not created to exercise self-will, self-law, self-rule, apart from God our Creator. America's emphasis on individual autonomy is an idolatrous distortion, even a replacement of the original American ideal of ordered liberty. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I want you to have such confidence in the Lord that you'll find such hope and see the beauty of the Lord, the majesty of God. What did our Lord say, huh? If your sins are as scarlet, oh, what? What's going to happen? They shall be made white as snow. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. I am frequently asked, do you have a new book coming out? Yes, uh, it's a trilogy, actually. A trilogy uh, from life experiences. Uh, the first book in the trilogy is Humility for Fun and Profit. Second book, Advanced Humility. And then my autobiography, My Life of Meekness. So those are, uh, those are coming out, uh, as, as far as I know. Uh, I haven't really written the manuscripts yet. Those are just kind of in the thinking stage. But we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. All right. On this Look Back Friday. I want to take this one because we got a fair amount of time before we hit the hard break. There are so many angles to bounce off 
of this particular call. Kevin from Minnesota. How old is this son of yorn? 30. 30. He doesn't live at home, does he? Unfortunately, for the last year he has, he got divorced a year ago from a, uh, from a person from another country, and the person couldn't adjust, and they moved on and kind of left him a wreck. And uh, so he moved home. And it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been okay. I mean, it's been good. He's been civil and whatever. But even as a child, he'd have these outbursts, Dr. Ray. They last for 5, 10, 15 minutes. Kind of get a glare or glaze in his eyes. Almost just like he's completely in his animal brain and can't think. And then we had an outburst just a few days ago, which hasn't happened in a couple of years. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm really going fast. Go ahead. And so he had a howl first, and he just he pulled it, ripped our little a little dog out of my arms, and said he was going to kill it. And I begged him not to take the dog and whatever. I never thought he was going to kill the dog. And then he said, "I'm going to kill myself." And it just has escalated to the point where um, he focuses more on my wife because I'm more of a pleaser or whatever. But I'm just kind of trying to navigate these kind of rough waters. Well, you said something interesting, Kevin. You said uh, he's had a history of these outbursts, but then you said he hasn't had one for a couple years. Correct. Yep. So he the, the, when he was like, the reason you're calling is because that most recent one scared you. Scared the living daylights out of me. It actually shattered my sense of peace. And you're thinking, what's he capable of? I'm afraid of what he... I'm not... Yeah. Yeah. You got her. What provoked him? He asked my wife he could, if he could have something, and uh, my wife, something inconsequential, betting for a bed, an extra blanket, and my wife said no. They all have a purpose, and it, uh, uh, boy, it spun out of control from there. Apparently, he thinks your wife's a little too bossy and controlling. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> I just said apparently I was taking a guess, and you you confirmed no. it, huh? Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, you could have, if you were at the fair, you would hit the balloon dead center. So his reaction was kind of a fed up reaction. Basically, he was saying, "I'm sick of you always trying to tell me what to do." Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's how he reacted. Yeah. What yeah, are you going to do about it? Boy, that's why I'm calling. My wife wants to just kind of, until he deep deals with these kind of emotional outbursts and admits that he has them, because another kind of aspect of this, after, you know, after all the emotions out of it and he's had time to think about it, he kind of rewrites the story so that he's the victim and the other person's the villain. Your wife probably wants him out of there, doesn't she? Uh, she wouldn't say it, but yes, because we agreed we weren't going to use that as a threat to get, you know, compliance or whatever. So he threatens to kill your dog. Yeah, his dog initially, but he couldn't take care of it. It's a small dog, so then we took it over, and I really, it's my dog now, Dr. Ray, but was his at one time. I got to believe this is going to start to create some uh, schism in your marriage. 
because she's gonna she's gonna get tired of being treated like this, and you're gonna say, "Well, we gotta support him. Well, we gotta give him a a place to land. He's suffering. He's had a he's had a tough existence. He's hurting. We gotta be understanding." That kind of the dynamic. I've thought that through, Doctor Ray, and I, we can't keep on taking my approach because it's only bringing me in a circle and in a circle again and in a circle again. So I'm saying now I'm at. I said, I'm, I told my wife, I'm calling Dr. Ray, and whatever he says work, that's my direction. And, I, I, I'm, and I'm willing with my wife to say, honey, we've tried it another way. We've got to do something different. If, and if and she'll love you. She'll give you a big kiss. Yeah, well, I Because she that. probably okay. thinks that when it comes down to her or him, you're going to side with him. No, but I do. I do. He does have a soft spot. Or I have a soft spot for him. I always have. Well, you labeled it a soft spot, but I think if you asked your wife, do you think I take his side in this kind of thing and I'm allowing him to mistreat you? I got a feeling, Kevin, you're not going to want to hear what she's going to say. So, we've been down that road. All right. So, whew, I thought I was wrong there for a second. Well, I was starting to get nervous. I was going yeah. to disconnect the phone call. All right. I'm not telling you this, but what would happen... If you said to your son, you ever do that again, you can't live here. I think he would say, okay, fine. See you later. I mean, I'm not sure he'd do it, but I think that would be his initial reaction. What's that tell you? And I, that tells me that I have choices to make, and sometimes they're hard. Well, it also tells you he didn't say, okay, Dad, it won't happen again. His attitude no, was, well, never, if it happens again, all right, kick me out. Yeah, never contrition. Never, never contrite. Mm. Never, That's not a good sign. I'm sorry. I mean, I can't, I can't therapize anybody from this distance, but that, in general, that. is not a good sign when someone doesn't own up to some really ugly behavior consistently. So much I want to say, and I got to get it in before the hard break. First of all, uh, I'm going to emphasize again that uh, Kevin may be underestimating his wife's feeling of resentment and bitterness, that uh, Kevin sort of has this uh, allowance side of him toward this 30-year-old, even as he uh, is disdainful or disrespectful of his mother. And, uh, yeah, you, you may be underestimating it there, Kevin. But lay, laying that aside. He says these outbursts come out of the blue. No, they don't. No, they don't. People say that. They'll come to therapy, and they'll tell me why they're there. They'll say, uh, well, this is just these outbursts, and I can't explain them. They're just sort of out of nowhere. And then as we talk, they're not out of nowhere. It's been building. There have been things that have been um, stewed about. And therefore, eventually some little tiny pinprick of an event, incident, denial, and it explodes. I think that's what happens. All right, this kid's been, well, kid, this young man has been building these resentments towards his mother. He doesn't like her style. He probably figures she talks too much, she nags him too much, whatever it is that he characterizes her as, he 
probably shuts his mouth until, for whatever the reason, he's tired, he's had a bad day, or something's gone wrong, or he's frustrated, and then she says something, and look out, he erupts. Now, that may explain the eruption. It certainly doesn't justify it. He got really nasty. I mean, really nasty. Now, there were some things said casually that I would have chased in a therapy session. That's because I'm the professional here. He said, remember the dog? He said he had a dog. He couldn't take care of it. It's a little dog. Here's the question. What, he couldn't take care of it because he works 80 hours a week? Or he couldn't take care of it emotionally? Or he couldn't take care of it because he was irresponsible with it? See, I, I would chase that because knowing how dad makes allowances for his behavior, he said he couldn't take care of it. So that raises the question, are there other personality aspects to this 30-year-old other than these outbursts? Dad points to the outbursts, but I'll bet you if I talk to mom, she'd say, oh, oh, he's he's been irresponsible. He doesn't cooperate with this, and he does that, and he's got a history of doing this, and, and perhaps I see the reason why the marriage broke up. And she would have a long list of things about his way and his personality, which all of which dad overlooks. I'm speculating now, but I see it a lot. All of which dad overlooks, except the outbursts, because the outbursts are scary. Now, Dad said something else, much more significant. He said he never has contrition. Now you're dealing with another personality aspect. So he never sees that he's wrong. Would that make him easy to live with? Would that make him tolerant of Mom? Would that make him do something he doesn't want to do if he thinks they're unreasonable in asking him to do it? So, it sounds like this is a very perplexing situation. Here's a young man who goes along. Now, remember what Dad said, another one of these kind of throwaway remarks. Oh, he's, he's very civil. He said that. Very, very top of the call. He's very civil. And normally, if we're in therapy, I would say, what do you mean by civil? How do you define civil? What is it that he does that you think he's civil? Okay. So... I would suspect that there's a lot of dynamic going on here that would explain these outbursts. They're not unexplainable. They're probably pretty, I don't want to say predictable, but there's something that uh, you could see the causes for them. Now, Dad said something interesting. He said, hasn't done this for a year. What exactly hasn't done for a year? He got so angry that he threatened to kill the dog. He hasn't gotten that extreme in a year, but there's been other surly-type outbursts. Parents will say that to me. They'll say, well, yeah, I mean, he, he throws a lot of fits for a 12-year-old, but, but you know, he, he's not violent. In other words, what they're saying is he's not throwing bricks. He's not kicking a hole in the wall. But he's still doing these things that they don't register much on the Richter scale because compared to the real outbursts, these are 
tolerable, acceptable. So I think the fact that when Dad said, if you do this again, you can't live here, he would look at Dad and say, fine. Now, I don't know what he means by that, whether he means if I do it again, I'm willing to leave or I'll leave now. I don't know. A lot, lot to explore there, a lot to unpack, as the shrinks would say. But it appears that Dad is at that point because I think this young man scared him. Right? Now, I don't know about the suicide threat. I, I obviously can't comment on that. Um, only Dad would know if that's something that uh, needs to be followed up on. But he didn't mention any kind of depression. I don't know exactly how this 30-year-old is living. Is he working? What is he doing? I get calls in therapy all the time because there has been a major episode. And the episode is perplexing to the person, either in the marriage or as a parent. And then as you explore it, there's a whole lot of small brush fires that led up to this episode, this conflagration. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. That idea of suffering is one of the reasons many people either turn away from God or they ignore faith altogether because they cannot comprehend or wrap their heads around suffering and all the suffering in the world. This is an issue for you and it's it's an issue for all of us from time to time when we go through rough situations. To say, Lord, what do you want me to learn about suffering? Ask the Lord to help you understand the meaning of suffering. God doesn't waste his time with anything. Whatever you go through, he will use if you allow him to use it. And you look at the greatest evil, right? The killing of God, Jesus, the Son of God on the cross. And what came out of that? Our salvation. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. What does the Church mean when she speaks of social justice? The Catholic Catechism says society ensures social justice when it allows associations and individuals to obtain their due. Social justice can only be accomplished by respecting the transcendent dignity of man. In other words, society exists for man. Man does not exist for society. The person, says the Catechism, represents the ultimate end of society, which is ordered to him. By refusing to recognize the inherent rights of the individual as endowed by the Creator, a society undermines its own moral legitimacy, according to Pope John XXIII. Respect for the human person stems from the principle that everyone should look upon his neighbor as another self. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Welcome back to the Doctor is In program. Now, here's your host, that master of mustaches, the punisher of pretzels, that cyclone of psychology, Dr. Ray Gorindy. Hit it, Jerry! Very nice to have you with me. It's Dr. Ray Garandy, program Dr. Zinn, variant of the program. Look back Friday. Let's go to the next question. 
Max calling in from Texas, talking about his son, little son, who's frustrated. Now, people might think, well, Dr. Ray, I don't relate to a, a four-year-old question because I'm long, I'm long past. Yeah, but I want to extrapolate on this question to make it maybe more relevant to bigger age groups. He's frustrated. He, he doesn't, like you said, when he gets what he wants, he's fine. But he doesn't know how to deal with this frustration. But my well, I don't know. I don't know too many four-year-olds who do, Max. <laughs> um, and and so I would, I, I would usually say that I'm like, uh, he's just our angry child. You know, he's 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 always mad. He throws fits. He's he's always kind of been that way, even since he was a baby. I noticed. Um, but. I see that true. He, he, he's frustrated, and I get frustrated with him. But I want to learn how to not do that. I don't know how to undo basically this cycle that we started, where he gets mad, I get mad at him, and and it, we kind of, you know, just go nowhere. I'm going to address your frustration first. Because you are the easiest one to deal with. Right. Well, maybe not. You're, let me put it this way. You may not be the easiest one to deal with, but you're the one who's going to listen. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> now, are you ready? I have a two-word prescription to help you not get so frustrated at your four-year-old's frustration. Okay. Now, I don't know if you have a pencil and paper, if you want to write this down. It's really very short, and you can probably remember it. Okay. Here it is. Expect it. Yeah. He's four. He gets frustrated and melts down or whatever he does when he doesn't get what he wants, when the world doesn't rotate the way he wants to rotate it. Okay. That's no big deal. That happens. What you are getting frustrated about is you're saying, I don't want him to act this way. Why is he doing right. this? He's making my life right. tough. Stop it. That's what you're doing. Instead of saying, yeah, I got a four-year-old who throws fits. All right. Well, that's why I'm a parent. Now, his frustration. When we adopted my son, John, he was four years old. He had had a very, very rough history. Uh, he threw fits as often as he breathed. He was four years old when we adopted him. We didn't have him those first four years. So we implemented a response that I'm going to give to you. What's your little guy's name? Levy. Levy. Levy, I tell you what, buddy. You can be mad, but you're not going to throw a fit. And every time you throw a fit, the next five things you ask for is going to be no. Now, at that point, Max, when he asks mm -hmm. for something and you say no, he's going to throw another fit, right? Of course. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right. Uh -huh. So you start over. You say, okay, Levy, now that's, that's five. That's five, buddy. Now. We did that with my son, John, and I'm not going to tell you how long it took because I'm going to use you as a look-back call someday. But uh, your little guy 
gets frustrated and upset when he doesn't get his way. Okay. I don't that doesn't bother me, Max. That doesn't bother me at all. That's who he is. What bothers me is at this point you're kind of buffaloed as to how to handle him. So you just tell him. Levy? Now, you're not going to use this word because he won't understand it, but what you're going to say, and basically you're going to say, these fits are very expensive. They're going to cost you a lot of privileges. That's what you're going to do. You almost have an attitude, Max, that says, I don't care if you throw a fit. That doesn't bother me. You're four years old. But let me tell you what I'm going to do about it. So this... So he's going to lose all his privileges then. He's just not going to be able to do anything. Well, the next five things he asks for, yeah. Can can he understand that concept? Like, if I tell him, all, all he's going to hear is that he's not getting his way, and he's going to continue to no, go he won't. down that path. Your, your boy may be frustrated. He ain't dumb. Your boy's going to realize, oh, well, I better not do this. Because if I do, now this may take him a while to realize this, of course. He's four. But if I do this... This is what's happened in the past 94 times. I'm getting it. Oh, boy. I got more to say than I have time to say it. There's so much to say, obviously. You could do a whole workshop on frustrated, fiery four-year-olds. Max didn't use this adjective, but his, his son is more fiery than the other children. I don't know how many children Max has. One, two, three. He's, he's the most fiery of them. Okay, that's the reality. He's the most fiery of them. That's why he's got a parent or two. Now, the, Max had it right. He, he is frustrated at his son because he doesn't think his son should act like this. He wants his son to accept when the world doesn't go the way you want. Now, I know a lot of grown-ups who don't do that, who get really upset. They may not throw themselves on the floor, but sometimes they can do even more destructive things. At least his son, Levy, has an excuse. He's four. Got plenty of excuses. Now, one might say, okay, fine. And I've read this from many child development people. Levy's emotions, they don't use Levy's name, I'm putting it in there. His emotions are bigger than he is. That's why he throws a fit like that. You need to find out why he's throwing a fit. You need to give him choices. You need to understand. And you can do all that. Go ahead. But if it doesn't stop Levy from throwing fits because he's fiery and he's a four-year-old, then you got to do something about it. Dr. Ray, you're not teaching him anything. You are simply punishing him. That's all. And I remember when I took behavior courses when I was in grad school, they said, if you use negative consequences, all you're doing is teaching a person, in this case, a child, and children are people too sometimes, you're teaching them to react a certain way only in the presence of the punisher. Other than that, the behavior will not generalize, which is nonsense, which is nonsense. Anybody can tell you any parent who disciplines a child can find that that child's behavior will generalize to other situations because they will learn self-control. 
Now, I'm looking at the clock here. I want to comment more about this on the other side because there was a couple of things that Max said that I want to, as I said earlier, unpack. Award-winning EWTN TV and radio host Michael O'Neill has written a new book based on his popular series, They Might Be Saints. This latest EWTN publishing release introduces you to some of this country's greatest blesseds and venerables. From an explorer priest to the U.S. Bishop of All Media and a former slave turned successful businessman, this book is filled with the unique stories and achievements of exceptionally inspired men and women. Discover how some of the holiest Americans in history can transform your faith life. They Might Be Saints, the latest release from EWTN Publishing, now available at EWTNRC.com or call 1-800-854-6316. That's EWTNRC.com or call 1-800-854-6316. Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. John 14, this is Jesus in the upper room with the disciples before he's going out to his sacrifice of himself for our salvation. And Philip says to the Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus looks at Philip and says, Philip, have I been with you all this time? Don't you understand? When you see me, you're looking at the Father. In fact, only two people throughout human history have given rise to the question, not who is he, but what is he? The two people are Buddha and Jesus. Buddha's answer was, don't come to me, don't look to me, look to my doctrine, look to what I teach. Jesus' answer was, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Jesus is explicitly claiming to be God. Very nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. Dr. Rigorendi, not a real doctor, a PhD, permanent head damage. But I try to overcome it. Before the break, talking to Max, and he was frustrated because his four-year-old gets frustrated, fiery four-year-old. And we were talking about the reasons for Big Max's frustration, which is that he doesn't want this kid to act this way. So he gets frustrated. But did you notice... As he was describing his reaction, there was no inkling that he talked about any kind of discipline. He just said he got mad. Now, obviously, that's not going to do anything. Oh, there are some kids who are going to be intimidated, but if a parent just gets angry and upset, and that's the extent of their approach to a problem, problem behavior particularly, uh, the kids uh, don't take too long to realize nothing's going to happen. Now, Max said something interesting when I suggested that little Levi would uh, be told the next five things you ask for, you're going to get no. He said, 
can he understand that concept? Now, one might infer a couple of things from that question. One, Max may have been allowing a lot of this behavior because he figured his son was too young to be disciplined. That this was just behavior that was happening out of his immaturity and his emotions. And therefore, uh, it's not time to hold him accountable yet. A lot of parents do that. They'll say, but but this is not a two-year-old. This is not a one-and-a-half-year-old. This is a four-year-old, and we don't know where in the four-year-old. It could be approaching five. So I've noticed that many parents raise the question of, will they understand? Will they make the connection between their misconduct and the consequence, which is, by the way, a real-world connection? But when it's done at the hands of a parent, it's done with love. The real world doesn't do it with love. So, will they understand the concept? And this is an analogy I've used often. We had two Rottweilers. One, we got, uh, he was about six months old. And then he passed away and we have another one. And we got her when she was about six months old. They were reasonably house trained, but not perfectly. So we had to, or my wife did much of the bulk of this, train them. Could they understand the training concept? No. No, they they had no cognition. All they knew was... If A, then B. That's what they knew. But they caught on pretty quickly. And they learned to guide their behavior according to if A, then B. Well, that's much of what happens with a two, three, four-year-old. If A, then B. It's a training. It's, it's a, an exposure to the results of your conduct. The cognition, this, the self-control the internalizing of the discipline, it comes with time. But it's never going to come if it's not begun. Parents will come into my office with an 11-year-old who's never been held accountable. Now they got themselves one rough road to hoe to get this kid to understand that certain things are wrong to do and you don't treat people this way and you don't react this way and you don't melt down like a two-year-old. They lost a lot of years because they figured he was eventually going to get the concept on his own as he quote-unquote matured. But it's very difficult to mature when you're not taught mature behavior. It doesn't just happen automatically. And many people think it does. They may say, well, he doesn't get it quite yet. But the longer you wait the harder it's going to be to teach him to get it. If I had time to talk with Max, I would have been able to explore some of the reasons why, and it sounds like he had been pretty reluctant to show Levi, you can't, you can't act like this. You're four years old, you're floor plus, this is not a good way to act. Now, if someone says, but that's normal to a four-year-old. Well, of course it is. Of course it's normal to a four-year-old. It doesn't mean it's good. 
it's it's normal if you let a 14-year-old get snotty. It's not good. You could make the case that sin is normal to the human condition. It's not right. Normal's not the guiding question. Good or right is. Take a quick break so I have enough time to deal with the one more question when I come back. What's wrong with everybody in this crazy place? Dr. Ray has more great advice soon. Don't go anywhere. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. 60 on 10 with Monsignor Charles Pope. The second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The disclosure of a name in the ancient world belonged to the order of trust and intimacy. And so when God revealed his name to Moses, it was an extraordinary outreach to us, saying uh, that we were called to an intimate, trusting relationship with him. And so we should always reverence this name as a great gift. We should obviously never use God's name to curse or to blaspheme or to berate others. God's name is meant to bring blessing. And likewise, the vain use, vain means empty. Uh, so some of these expressions like, oh my God, or you know, and so on, uh, need to be avoided as well. Vain means empty, and those are using God's name as an empty kind of expression of exasperation. And then finally, never ever to use God's name to swear an oath falsely. God is the God of truth. The second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. I gotta jump in here and uh, squeeze this this one in real quickly. Anonymous caller, female from Missouri, and uh, she says that her kid's stepfather is, uh, in her opinion, rough in his discipline. Who's stricter? Well, we actually ag- agree on discipline. It's just the manner that it's given. I- I've listened to you a lot, and you always say. You know, you can't really be too strict, but to do it without love is not right. It can be too harsh, and I feel like he's too harsh in the manner that the discipline is given. What's he do? There's some mocking and, you know, raising the voice, and I really don't know what to do about it because I wait until the disagreement is over and try to talk to him uh, another time and just say, hey, I just you know, wish you would not do it in that way, in that tone. And he gets very defensive and just says, well, you do the same thing. And so it just, it goes around in a circle and we never get it resolved. So I, I don't know what to do because I don't want to be the sole disciplinarian, but it just doesn't go very well when he does it. So I try to remove him from that. And I, Oh, he doesn't like that at all. No. (laughs) He thinks your kids are brats. 
pretty much, yeah. And they, you know, they need work. They, we all do, but I think they're pretty good kids. I do discipline them and for things that their peers, you know, don't get disciplined for, I feel like. So I know I could do better, but they have consequences and they don't get, they get privileges removed and stuff all the time. So has he been married before? Has he been married? Does he have kids? Uh, No. So he stepped into a family with children, and he obviously has some uh, pretty stable ideas on how kids should behave, and when they don't, he gets frustrated with them. Yes, very much so, and it sounds to me that he was very, very strict, uh, maybe a little controlling, it seems. I don't know, but it doesn't really matter, I guess, because... Um, you know, it is what it is now. I'm going to shock you. We do. Yeah. Okay. I don't think he's strict. Okay. I think he's not a very good disciplinarian because he doesn't discipline. He gets nasty. That's not discipline. That's not discipline. I think you need to ask him a couple different questions. Go to the root of it. Do you think that I let my kids get away with too much? That's what I'll I'll bet you he'll say, oh, yes, you do. Yes, he would say that. (laughs) Got it. So, therefore, he's trying to straighten them out, but he really doesn't have real good discipline skills. He doesn't. He he equates imperiousness, loudness, emotions with discipline. None of that's discipline. None of it. It's it's weak. Tell him this. I want you to discipline them. I, I want you to put consequences on them when you think they do something wrong. I would want you to do that. Can you do that without getting harsh? See, I'll bet if I asked him this question, I, I would bet. Very, this is a very common dynamic among step-parents and parents, by the way. Mm-hmm. Do you think that your wife undercuts you when you try to discipline these kids? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She questions yeah, everything she I do. That all the time. Yes. <laughs> How do I know these things? <laughs> Tell him. Make you a deal. I will not undercut you if you commit to actually disciplining and not being rough. And here's where you can help. When he, now it's going to be hard for him to do. He's not used to kids, all right? He didn't grow up with these kids. I got a feeling he's, well, I got a feeling he's struggling with liking your kids. So tell him you'll step in and discipline them when you see him getting frustrated with him. You'll step in and you will discipline. You will put a consequence on those kids. And maybe he'll see how you do it and he'll realize that's the way to do it rather than uh, just kind of get all over them. That's what I would do. Suggest this. That he, when I say, you know, if you're not, as long as you're not harsh, I won't step in. He doesn't see that as being harsh. He doesn't see, you know, interrupting them and cutting them off when they're speaking. Uh, You know, because I tell the kids, you can't be disrespectful. You can be unhappy about your consequence, but you can't be rude and and unkind. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mom, you're saying something that's, uh, uh, now now you're opening up something else. When you (laughs) say... You can't be disrespectful. You can't be rude. You're telling me they are being disrespectful and rude. Is that true? Oh, 
Yes, they definitely can be. Oh, then step in and do something about it. Right. Immediately. He doesn't like the fact that these kids treat him that way. So what happens is he treats them that way back. Second marriages fail at a much higher rate than first marriages. One of the main reasons for that is the disagreements over the children. My experience is, now this is just a generalization, is that the step-parents have a better sense. They're more objective. They're not as emotionally, what's the word I'm looking for, emotionally guided in their discipline as the bio-parent. The bio-parent may be wrestling with a lot of guilt over a failed first marriage or or how uh, their birth dad treats them when they're with him. Just could put a lot of dynamics there emotionally. Now that said, the step-parent oftentimes has a lower tolerance level for the behavior of the kids because they see it as, uh, you kids shouldn't act this way, and the bio-parent has the attitude of, well, yeah, but, you know, they, they, this is what they've gone through, and uh, you don't understand, and you need to have a good relationship with them. And the step-parent says, it's hard to have a good relationship with them when they're like that. And then the bio-parent says, but if you had a good relationship with them, they wouldn't act like that, and on it goes. That's why I advised her to step in quickly and discipline quickly before it gets harshly out of control. If she sees them starting to be disrespectful, rolling their eyes or whatever they're doing to their stepdad, immediately step in and discipline them so that he doesn't have to get frustrated with them over the course of seven minutes as it unfolds. And now this is going to require her to probably be a little more vigilant and follow through than she wants to be because in these cases, again, I see this a lot, there's compensation. He's too harsh, he's too quick to get mad, and therefore I got to compensate because he's going to ruin my kids. That, that's just such a common dynamic. But if she steps in before this thing gets on a roll and then she disciplines them, and she may have to discipline more than she wants to, at least she'll keep this friction from building between her husband and her kids. That's, that's critical. That's critical. Again, a house rule helps. Here's the house rule. Disrespect leads to this. And then if he knows that he can just enforce that house rule, he doesn't have to think. You are disrespectful. You're a 12-year-old. You're going to write an essay of apology, 250 words handwritten. That's, that's the consequence. So he doesn't have to worry about getting angry and telling them not to be disrespectful and he's had enough of them and they're, what? they're losers. You're just a loser. You know, whatever it is he's doing, we got to cut back on the frustration and give him something to actually implement because my guess would be he's of the mindset of I can talk them in some way or I can intimidate them verbally in some way to get them to behave and all that typically does is just make the relationship even more frayed well I'm afraid that we're getting close to done I want to thank Andrew Kruchek for all the editing he does thank you for keeping me company during this the doctor is in good lord permit and I'll see you Monday
walk with God, it is the only eternal walk. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.